There you have it. Leafs go down in five games. They lose this one in overtime, three to two. Uh, a seventh game in a row where they only manage to score two goals. And somehow you will still hear all summer about how the Leafs need to get grittier, better defense. And it's been seven straight games of scoring only two goals. You go back to last year losing 2 1. Uh, to Tampa Bay in Game 7. In Montreal late in the series, Game 6 and Game 7 could not score. And yet the narrative will remain the same from your trusted media. Um, look, disappointing. I-, I won't lie to you, you were all here after Game what game 3 when I said this was over. And I think I posted a 53-second post-game show for you. That's all I had the energy for. There was not much to say. The Stars just did not show up and put you behind the eight ball. They did show up quite a bit better in game four, to be fair. And honestly, they showed up pretty well in game five. He put up 51 shots on Bobrovsky, and it just wouldn't go. But when you put yourself down 3 nothing, and you haven't yet had the game where you get goalied, this is what happens. You run yourself out of room for error, right, and room for mistakes. So, uh, look, we've been here before. You've been here with me. I don't know how many times we've done these post-game shows. A lot of you have been asking me on Twitter at Tall Can Audio about the flag lowering ceremony. The flag never went up this year. And that wasn't some statement on the team. It wasn't a protest. It was nothing like that. I went out of town actually several days before the playoffs started. And so I didn't go and put the flag up. There was no flag raising ceremony. And for those of you who are newer around here, uh, I live here in Ottawa and I always put up a maple leaf flag on my balcony and just didn't let the good people of Ottawa enjoy it as they, as they drive by. And the flag lowering ceremony always happens the same night as the Leafs are, <laughs> are annually eliminated. But it happens late. I go out about 11, 11.30, and I take my AirPods or something with me, and I record some of my kind of more general thoughts as opposed to thoughts about the game that eliminated us while I take down uh, the flag. And I do that because while I want the city of Ottawa to be irritated to see the Leaf flag uh, for those couple of weeks while the Leafs are actually in, I don't want to give any of them the satisfaction of seeing me out there taking it down in broad daylight or being able to drive by the next morning and see the leaf flag still up there and, and be able to kind of point and laugh. Yeah, that guy. But this year I was just happened to be out of town. And so I didn't put it up. And when I got back, the Leafs were either, I think the Leafs were up two one at the time on Tampa. And the night I got back, I watched that game with my old man and they went up three to one. And at that point, you're like, fuck it. Like, I'm not messing with success, right? Like, I'm one of those guys, right? With a little bit of superstition. So I just didn't put it up. And then they were into the second round. You're like, well, we got through the first round with it. It it just didn't go up this year. So no flag lowering ceremony this year. But this will essentially be it uh, as we sit here now. But we've done this before. And, like, I came right in when the game ended because I don't care about the post-game interviews and what John Tavares and his monotone voice has to say right now, or Sheldon Keefe after having his lunch fed to him for the last two rounds uh, by Paul Maurice in this round, of all people. 
I just don't want to hear it. Mitch Marner's, you know, indignation about not caring what people say outside. Well, that's fine if you back it up. And it's up to you, good listener, whether you believe what he did over these last two games makes up for what he didn't do in games one, two, and three, especially game three. That's entirely up to you. I just don't care about the quotes. And so there will be a lot of time, a lot of time to break down what's coming. The fatal flaws of the team this year, um, you know, what they're going to do over the offseason, who's going to be gone, who's going to be sticking around. There'll be time for all of it. For now, let's focus on what happened tonight. And I guess you could say they got goalied. I don't know how it felt to you. 50 shots is a lot of shots. But sometimes they're just shots. The Leafs, no question, had some good opportunities and Bobrovsky was up to the challenge. That's not being disputed. But did that feel like a game? Did that feel like a series where it was absolutely ripped out of your hands by a goaltending performance for the ages? At times, maybe, but a lot of them were just sort of so-so shots. And I don't know what to tell you. Austin Matthews doesn't score again. I thought there were moments he looked reasonably dangerous, but he didn't get it done and he didn't score at all in this series. John Tavares hardly contributing anything in this series. Mitch Marner was better in these last two games but not anywhere near enough. The only two guys, and I know we normally call it the big four, but it is now the big five with Morgan Riley getting his big contract extension. William Nylander and Morgan Riley are the only two people who gave an acceptable effort in this series. And that's just the way it is. And that's hard to say after Willie made some baffling defensive decisions. And they're not even decisions, just lack of effort in games one and two. The way he came back and he pushed and was a man possessed at times. William Nylander was fantastic. When it looked like they were going to wilt late in the third period this time, he's the one who comes out and gets it done and gets you to overtime. It's baffling to me the way people look at at William Nylander versus Mitch Marner. The, The... The narratives, and I I hate to keep leaning on that term, but like the stories, the way we look at these guys are completely detached from reality. Let's talk about Mitch Marner first. And I'm going to quote some numbers here from a guy I follow on Twitter. Uh, He might not let you follow him. He's a very smart guy in the sense that he keeps his account private. And I guess I followed him before he locked it down. I'm not sure how I ended up being allowed to follow him. But he avoids a lot of the noise that way. And so you can't just retweet him. And so consequently, I often just take his numbers and claim them as my own on the podcast. But Stephen Birch, uh, look him up on Twitter if you enjoy the analytics side of things and a different kind of look at the Leafs. You will have to endure a little bit of over-the-top pettiness directed towards the team (laughs) about how they have traded Pierre Engvall. But otherwise, a fantastic follow. Um, He pointed out a few days ago this comparison between Marner and Nylander's numbers. So in games one to four in the first round of the playoffs, over all of the first rounds, not just this year, okay? In all of those games one to four, Washington, Boston, Boston, Montreal, Tampa, and Tampa. 36 points 
in 28 games. Well above a point a game player. While it's still fairly free flowing, people are still getting their power plays. Dude's there, right? No problem. In games five, six, and seven, in all of those same years that I just referenced, and now this year's round two, you're looking at a guy who has 11 points in 22 games. So you go from someone who's well over a point a game to someone who's half a point a game. And I get it. It gets clamped down, right? It gets harder. But he just vanishes late in the series in terms of production. So while Marner in the early going of any series is somewhere at like 1.3, 1.4 points per game and drops to half a point a game, Willie in those early parts of it, and it, I don't know if you want to call this a credit to him or not, like you'd like him to get up and going a little bit quicker. He's about 0.6 points per game in games one through four through the first round. And he moves to closer to 1.9 points per game in those tighter games later on, right? Games five, six, and seven in the first round, and then this second round. And people get mad at Willie about not being clutch, about the guy who doesn't show up. And I don't understand how that argument still happens. It's not based in reality. I don't know if it's our good Canadian boy versus the soft Swede thing. Are we still doing that? Look at what's happening in front of you. See who's showing up. If you recall during that Montreal series while they were getting, you know, just embarrassed after being up three to one, that second line is like Alex Kerfoot at center with William Nylander and I don't even remember, Ilya Mikheyev maybe? And Willie is carrying that team as best he can and no one else is showing up. So we need to be done with the Nylander thing, especially in any sort of talk that he doesn't show up in the playoffs when it matters versus Marner, who does. Bullshit. Do not lump William Nylander in with the big four and how they didn't perform. He did. Morgan Riley is the other guy who I have been very hard on over the course of this season. Just not in love with the contract, not in love with the defensive performance, not putting up the same offensive numbers he normally does that can help justify his weakness on defense. He had a fantastic playoffs. Just fine in his own end. Like, not stellar, but better than he had been through the regular season. And putting up goals, driving hard to the net. He almost had another one here tonight. Like, the heart and soul, essentially, I'm sorry, but the captain of this team. Maybe that's something that they have to readdress in the offseason. Actually, a couple of years ago, when they were doing the whole thing, what do you do with Tavares versus Matthews? Who do you make captain? And then Matthews goes and fucks up with with his performance there in the offseason with what he did down in Arizona, and it made it pretty easy to, to give it to Tavares. I suggested then, certainly not saying I could foresee the future and all the ways this was going to play out, but maybe you avoid that entire debate by just giving it to Morgan Riley, who'd been here the longest, well-respected in the community, respected in the room. Uh, hindsight being what it is, maybe you'd have been better off that way because he is clearly the leader of that group, at least emotionally, right? Like in that game tonight, he's showing up. He's he's invested in what's happening. He's trying to get the guys going. He's bipping with the officials, all that stuff. He and Willie showed up out of the big five. That's it. Like I said, Austin Matthews, 
He's an MVP. He's had a 60-goal season. No goals in this series. Unacceptable. Would I be excited about trading him away? No. But not anywhere near good enough in this series. So, you look at that, you look at Marner, like I already broke down his numbers, and even people tell you, oh, he's got like 14 points or 15, 16 points, whatever. Had 10 of them in the first four games of the Tampa series. Kind of speaks to the point I already made, right, in terms of talking about the way he gets his numbers in the playoffs. So don't forget, in game two, the Leafs put up seven goals. Mitchell got a little fat that night, as did a lot of guys. Uh, let's talk about what everybody's talking about late in the second period. I don't have a whole lot on this. I don't want to, I'm not going to tell you what you should feel about it. I'll tell you what I thought about it. Morgan Riley goes in. The crowd goes crazy. Riley celebrates. He thinks it's in. Um, the Leafs start to say, like we saw this in the Tampa series. When in doubt, just celebrate and see if you can get the uh, the refs to to kind of go, well, all right, it must be in and and call it a goal on the ice. They didn't do that. They didn't bite this time. Lots of people coming out of the woodwork afterwards, giving you, you know, shouting down the video that, sh- close, uh, that shows it clearly in the neck. And that's after the whistle. Can you find me the whistle? There were people, uh, Jeff Viette, friend of the show, was already talking on Twitter long before intermission pointed it out that there was no whistle. The refs just froze. One standing right behind the net. And Riley thinks it's in, so they start to celebrate. He doesn't do anything for like 15 seconds and creates this entire mess. No reaction to say it's a goal. No definitive reaction right as a way to say it's not a goal. No whistle blown. No nothing. And then afterwards, you just like, well, no goal, and we'll send it up to the the, the, the situation room, and they kind of go through it and, and determine no. So, look, I don't know. I don't know if that's a goal or not, but to sit there and say it's clearly after the whistle, find anybody, because even then the panel during the second intermission goes, oh, there's one ref, he doesn't blow, there's another ref, he's not, no. What whistle? I get the anti-Leaf people out there want to make it seem like Leaf fans are idiots and they're out there dunking, it's after the whistle, don't you know the rules? Find the whistle. You can't do it. So that's a mess. I don't know what you do about that. Now, the Leafs come back and tie it anyway, so it's not the reason you lost, but it didn't help. I don't really have much to say about the penalty kill in overtime either. Those ones that go over the glass behind the bench are odd to me, but you killed it, so fuck it. Like, it really wasn't a, wasn't the problem. Uh, Leafs had over 51 shots. I think the final number I saw was that the, the, the big four had like 26, 27, 28 of them, so... A little more than half. So like you could get, you can say they showed up, but at some point, like you got to break through. Like in that first period, shot attempts at five on five, Leafs dominate. Scoring chances at five on five, Leafs dominate. But they're down one nothing after the first period. And I believe in all this analytical stuff, right? Like I believe that matters. I believe it's context. I don't believe it's everything, but I believe it helps you understand the game that's playing out in front of you. Okay, it's not going for you yet, but it doesn't mean it's not working. It doesn't mean you're not controlling play. It doesn't mean you're not getting your opportunities. And sometimes that just happens, right? Like I said, it's up to you to decide whether or not they got goalied tonight. Put 51 shots on goal. You'd like to think you'll have a better faith than that, but sometimes you just don't. 
And sometimes they're not all that high danger, uh, not overly dangerous shots. Now, the Leafs had a number of high dangerous shots that did not go in tonight. But sometimes the the ones that get you from like a 43-shot night to a 51-shot night are just kind of stuff being peppered from the outside. And So it's a frustrating game. Frustrating night. And I'll, I'll admit, despite having said after game three, this was done, it was just a matter of time. They got me. They got me invested again tonight. Not really in game four. Like I watched it and I'm obviously, you know, rooting for them, but not edge of my couch. Like just, oh my God, please get, please stay alive. We're going to do the miracle thing. None of that was happening. But tonight late, you know, as the third period's going on and overtime's happening, I'm on the edge of my couch. I'm drinking the Molson Canadian again. Those of you who've been around for some of these post game shows know that was sort of the, the lucky charm. After my dad had been the lucky charm, he left. The, the closest thing I had was his beer. So <laughs> drank some of that. And it didn't work tonight. John Molson let me down. I can't believe he'd do that to me. They they hooked me back in. It's overtime in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You get invested, right? So I don't know what else to say about this one. Like I said, there will be plenty of time for a, a more overarching series in review, season in review, post-mortem, what's to come, who's going to be gone, who's going to be back. There'll be plenty of time for that. These shows are supposed to be, you know, what we see tonight and, and what happened in the series. So I don't know that it's any more complicated than you just couldn't finish. This was seven games in a row where they scored two goals. And that hasn't happened to them in 11 years. Even bad teams occasionally pot three or four one night. And they just could not finish. And I think it's taking some people some time to catch up to the fact that this isn't the run and gun team of 2017 against Washington. That was just speedsters and burners up and down the lineup. This team has gotten gradually slower, gradually more defensive minded, and you've traded away some things that made you different in favor of being just another sort of Hope this works in the playoff team. And you're not special now. You're subject to the same whims that everybody else is. That's not to say the old way didn't work either. But I was disappointed that we went away from it. And that ultimately, that might be one of the things that hurts Kyle uh, moving forward. Is There's nothing special about his team anymore, right? There's nothing that stands out. There's nothing that makes him the boy genius, right? You can criticize him now and say he didn't win, and that'll be totally fair criticism. I don't know if he'll be back. But to say he had this crazy out-there plan when his trade deadline was to go get Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari and Luke Shen and Jake McCabe, you're going to say that he's too hung up on skill and scoring? Stop. Catch up, please. It hasn't been that way for like three years. We're going back to Nick Felino. He cracked and started trying to take away from the the vision that he had and started to turn it into what all the old hockey men wanted it to be. And that didn't work either. So we'll see. It's not a question of whether Kyle gets fired. He doesn't have a contract. It's not just up to the Leafs. He can say fuck off and leave if he wants. Now, he's. I'm not letting Kyle off the hook. He built this thing. He's got to wear 
a good portion of this. And I, I'm already starting to fall out into the things that are supposed to be part of the postmortem and not the things that happened tonight. But he's not the one at the absolute tip top. If Pittsburgh says to him, come be in charge of our hockey operation and we won't put a Shanahan in front of you to answer to, that might be appealing to a guy like Kyle Dubas. They'll pay him. I don't know if it's a great gig. Your core there is aging out hard with Crosby and Malkin and Latang, and you have no picks to fix it. But maybe that's an interesting challenge to him. I don't know. What I can tell you for sure is that there is zero chance here in Toronto that they will promote Kyle in the next couple weeks. They may bring him back as GM, but they're not going to punt Shanny and move Dubas up to president. He has not earned a promotion here. But somewhere else might give it to him. So that'll be interesting. But the story here is that the Leafs didn't finish. Seven games in a row, scoring two goals. Not good enough. Could not score. Could not finish. The Leafs didn't lose the series tonight. They lost it probably in game two with that horrible second period, and then you couldn't come back and and fix it. And then in game three, we just didn't show up at all at any point. That's where the series swung. This Florida team was not better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. But they're moving on and you're not. So figure it out. And we will attempt to do that over the next couple weeks, next couple months. We'll have time to talk about it. We'll have some guests on. We'll do some postmortem stuff. We'll, we'll look back at this, no doubt. Uh, there's always stuff to talk about with the Leafs. So we'll, uh, we'll look to do that in the coming weeks. That's probably enough for tonight. That's your combination post-game show slash flag-lowering ceremony. Uh, for those who were looking for for whatever that was going to look like. But uh, I'm sort of out of things to say. Said it all after game three in uh, in 53 seconds. It was over then. You were going to need a miracle, and miracles don't come around very often. And this team had not earned the benefit of the doubt to suggest they were the ones mentally tough enough to come back and create that miracle. That's where it's at. Someone in that big four is going to be gone next year. It's up to you who you think it's going to be, but this is going to be complicated. Might be a couple of them. Willie and Matthews both need uh, new deals come July 1st. What's really interesting is that Austin Matthews for that final year also has a limited no trade. So if you have any sort of whiff at all that he doesn't want to come back, you have to trade him and you have to do it before July 1st because... At that point, he starts to control part of the story, right? With that limited no trade clause. Mitch Marner, perhaps far more interestingly, on July 1st, has a full no move kick in. So if you're not sure you're bringing him back, you're going to have to make that decision pretty quick and deal that before July 1st because he completely runs that show after that. And before you do any of it, who's your GM? You need that sorted out right now. And that's going to be complicated because Kyle Dubas is probably going to come back and say, I need a couple days to think or a couple weeks to think. You don't have it. You need to start doing business right now. You either give him what he wants to make him stay or you're not happy with him. You tell him on Monday afternoon, Monday morning, whatever, when we do garbage bag day around the locker room. Thanks for your time. Thank you for your service. Good luck in your future endeavors. And you need to have him replaced like immediately. 
so that you can start to figure out all the things that you have to figure out in less than two months. That's going to be complicated. It's going to be a hell of a story, but I digress. I'm getting away from, you know, the point of, uh, of tonight's show. We will have time for all of this stuff. I appreciate you guys jumping in on these and, and sticking around for these. It's a little extra content, kind of short form stuff. I appreciate Maddie Lang's time. He hasn't been here for the last couple. We had a bit of a snafu on, uh, whatever it was, game three, trying to get him in for that one. Then game four, he was at uh, a family engagement. He couldn't get out of in, uh, and game five tonight, God love him. Friday night in downtown Toronto, he was out uh, living his Maddie life. So uh, we will connect with him in the next week or two and uh, get his final thoughts on the season and what may lay ahead. And we'll get some other people in here as well. Talk about that. There are uh, some of your other Leaf personalities to uh, to break down what's to come. But I appreciate you guys sticking with these late night or checking them out the next morning whenever you do. Um, you know, just a little thing on top of the shows we normally do to, uh, you know, just talk a little Leafs after the game, what we're seeing. And, uh, this was the first year of getting to do them for the second round. I'll be honest with you. That part of it, it's a bit much, right? We've never been to the second round doing these post-game shows before. It gets late fast and uh, you start to get a little bit tired. So, um, maybe in that regard, uh, maybe in that regard, you know, a small blessing. I'm done doing these for another year. Blue Jays big win tonight. Chris Bassett, first guy since 2015 to throw a complete game shutout for the Blue Jays. So something to celebrate on what was probably a a quiet night around Union Station as people boarded the go trains to leave downtown. Maybe you could get yourself a let's go Blue Jays chant going or, uh, or something like that. Thank you for checking this out. We will be back with you on Monday morning. For the usual show, Rob will be in for that. And that will actually be the 8th anniversary of Tall Can Audio. So we'll kick that around and have a little fun with that as well. And uh, lots more to come, as always, in the coming weeks. So thank you for checking that out. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast, wherever you are right now. Give us a follow on social media. My name's Matt Robinson. That is it for another season of Toronto Maple Leaf Playoff Hockey. About a week and a half longer than it normally is. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time.